Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding, Ken's Movie Reviews. I am your host, Ken Seymour. This week, we will be tackling the new Birds of Prey film that just came out in theaters recently, starring Margot Robbie. As always, we will begin with a spoiler-free section dictating my opinion of whether this is a film you should probably go out and see in the theaters, whether it's something that you should wait for on your local streaming service or maybe ignore altogether. After which we will delve into the spoiler heavy sections where we dissect the film into the sections of cast, director, costuming and props, location, cinematography, plot and writing, and potentially even bonus points. Everything adding up to a total potentially of 100 points. Now that hasn't happened yet, but you never know. We may always get a chance to see that perfect movie. Or then again, we may get that zero, you know, like I got so many times for not turning in my homework. Well, with no further ado, let us begin. This movie was uh, was something I've been waiting for for, for some time. I, I love comic book movies, and there hadn't been one out for a little while. So this coming out to the theaters, especially with... Uh, the Harley Quinn character being prominent was something that I was eagerly anticipating. I tried to go in without any preconceptions or anything like that, but you know, it's, it's hard to avoid that whenever you are going to be watching your favorite genre. Um, now I would say this film, if you are a fan of the Harley Quinn character, uh, is definitely one you should see in the theaters. If you are the type of person that likes to enjoy an action film in the best possible environment. It might be one that you would want to see in the theater. Otherwise, I think it's definitely one to wait for uh, on Blu-ray or a streaming service. I, I think it was a, a decent film, but not amazing by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but let's go into the specifics of why I think what I think. Let's start with the cast. I always like to start with the cast. The cast on this film is pretty pretty good, really. I mean, first of all, you got uh, Margot Robbie re renewing her role as Harley Quinn, and she was very good as Harley Quinn in The Suicide Squad, and I think she's definitely able to carry this film easily. She understands the character. She can personify it very well, her uh, her on-screen chemistry with most people is very good. She has a great charisma, just all around really solid uh, portrayal of the character. Plus you've got Rosie Perez coming in as Renee Montoya. Um, I've always liked Rosie Perez uh, in her previous outings in multiple films. And I was glad to see that she was in this. You've got uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the Huntress. Um, I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead quite a bit too. Uh, she's in one of my favorite comic book uh, related movies where she gets to play. Um, she gets to play just a a great character. I, it, it, the reason I bring this up is just mainly because um, Scott Pilgrim was such an iconic uh, film in a lot of ways, and her character in that was. Uh, you know, the one of the major characters being Ramona Flowers. And she was so um, front stage and great in that. Uh, she still had some front screen time on this, not as much. When you're sharing uh, between multiple characters, uh, it's a little bit more difficult in an ensemble like this to kind of get the same kind of uh, 
screen time, but it was nice to see her. Now, the really interesting thing for this for me is I didn't immediately recognize her. Uh, they did a good job with the the makeup and the, the costuming, and it just it could have been just my failing brain uh, that just didn't register at first. I knew she was going to be in it, knew who she was going to be. It just didn't hit me. Um, then uh, you got uh, Journey Smollett-Bell as Black Canary, an interesting casting choice. Um, I'm not completely familiar with a lot of her work, but I thought she did great in the film. Um, you got Ewan McGregor as uh, uh, Black Mask. You've got, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Chris Messina as Victor Zaz. Uh, you've got Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane. Uh, not really familiar with Ella J so much. Not really familiar with Chris Messina. Um, but I thought they they were not... Um, well, we'll get into that here in a second. Um, and of course, I got to bring up Ali Wong and her bit role that she had. Uh, I've always liked Ali Wong. She's hilarious. And uh, uh, it, it's always kind of nice to just see that little pop-up thing happen. So I think really for me with this casting, I think individually... They were all strong choices. I think maybe the only issue that I had with the casting is I'm not sure that they gelled very well together. Um, I don't know if that's an issue of casting. I don't know if that's an issue of editing or directing. It just felt that they didn't they didn't really like I said they didn't really gel all that well for me. Um, the dialogue the dialogue felt forced and sometimes that's the writing and sometimes that's the interaction. Uh, it's like I said, it can be a number of different factors that, that play into that. So while I liked each one individually, it's kind of the same way that I, I really like a good Snickers bar and I really like a good steak. I really don't want to eat them at the same time. Um, it's, that that was kind of the impression that that I got from this particular casting. It just it could be completely in my mind, but it just it didn't quite they didn't quite fit. But there's nothing um, there's nothing wrong with the specific casting they had. Like I said, because they they got a great group of actors and actresses in this, and I think they all gave it their their uh, their their college try, as it were. Um, if I had any criticisms on performances specifically, and I, again, I don't know if this is the direction or if this is the actor-actress, um, uh, like Ewan McGregor, who I love to death. Uh, it's him as Black Mask. He was not menacing enough, uh, not creepy enough, at least from my memory of the character in the comics, as it uh, relates to how it appears on screen he he just was not threatening enough. I didn't I didn't take him as a as a real bad guy so much, which I think considering the type of protagonists you've got in this, I think the bad guy needs to be extremely disturbing to be able to have the same impact. And you got this R rating, and he goes kind of creepy, kind of disturbing, but never really quite gets there. Same thing with Victor Zaz. Um, that character is a just a hot mess in the comics. He is way off the deep end and truly, truly evil and disturbed. And he just came off as a mean thug to me, which is kind of 
kind of disappointing. Um, and again, I don't know if that's the portrayal by the actor or the writing of the character or how it was edited together. It's really hard to know in this specific instance because there can be any number of different causes. That's just how it came off to me. So you've got these very vibrant protagonists that are that are really kind of out there, and but they're not straight, normal heroes. They are kind of in the gray area. So a lot of times you either have to have a really compelling antagonist that can also exist in that gray area, which is not Black Mask or Victor's ass, or you have to go to an extreme to be able to contrast against the existing gray characters that are already there. So I don't really feel that they did either. So it just came off as flat to me. Um, but just in terms of the, the actual casting and performance, still pretty decent. So I'm going to give them a 14 out of 20 on that. Now, the director on this, I was not completely familiar with. Uh, Kathy Yan uh, is the name. Um, she's done multiple projects, uh, writing, producing, directing. Um, but I, I had no expectations coming into the film just because I wasn't familiar with her work. Um, as far as the directing goes, I also kind of lump in editing into this particular category as well because it just doesn't uh, work as well in the other categories so some of these comments are going to be potentially about directing some of them are going to be more about editing the film and I really think this is the weakness of this film uh, above anything else is is how it was edited together so the presentation of the film they got an R rating for this film uh, it's I don't want to call it the new it thing to have a comic book movie with an R rating, but Deadpool was wildly successful with an R rating. Logan was really good with an R rating. Joker was really good with an R rating. And each of those films in their own way pushed that R rating so that they could get the most out of the story that they were telling, not necessarily putting in uh, unnecessary language or unnecessary gore just for the sake of it being there, but allowed them to have that flexibility to tell a more adult story, uh, a more um, a more compelling story in certain ways. And I was hoping that Birds of Prey would do the same thing. I'm really not sure that it did. There was a little bit of language, no nudity to speak of because it didn't need it. Um, the violence was in there was fairly stylized and some people will call it gruesome. I really wouldn't. There was some blood. Uh, there was broken bones, and you saw legs pointing in the wrong direction. But really, I don't feel that they took advantage of that R rating at all. Because like I said, Black Mask and Zaz should be truly disturbing, and they weren't. They were just kind of meh. Um and I, that's what you needed that R rating for. Uh, I think the, the portrayal of the heroes was fine, uh, or the protagonist, I should say, um, in, in the sense that they were at the, the level that they needed to be to, to, to do the characters the justice that they needed to have. But you got to have those bad guys be way worse than what you were showing. Um, the other things that kind of bothered me here and there um, they were using voiceover 
uh, work from Margot Robbie, kind of internal monologue, which is definitely accurate to the character and the story and the way that it should be presented. But it felt disjointed at times because they they tried to do the back and forth thing where you had the voiceover where she's talking about what happened and then would go to her actually speaking current time. But the timing between those two things was a little off sometimes, and it just kind of yanked me out a little bit of the story. That's a small nitpicky thing. Uh, But also some of the transitions between the scenes I had some issues with. Um, The decision to have the child uh, be the name of Cassandra Cain, I had a problem with that. there were some odd, uh, it was pointed out to me, and I, and I had to agree that there were some odd choices in terms of the actresses and the age differential between the Renee Montoya character and Harley Quinn and the Huntress and Black Canary. In the comics, they're closer in age, at least to my knowledge they are, and they're definitely closer to the Cassandra Kane character. But in the movie, there is a significant uh, generational gap between them. Which, on its own, not a big deal. But it's, it's a little, little weird uh, if you're a comic book reader to go into that. So again, not a super big deal for the movie. You go your own direction in the movie. you got to change some stuff. The one change that I, I think was the biggest mistake out of that, though, was the naming of Cassandra Kane, Because there's no guarantee that there's going to be a sequel for the film, first of all. And that character is an important comic book character. And I'm sorry, but that was not Cassandra Kane. Not by any stretch of the imagination. I am really not sure what they were trying to do with that. Whether that was just supposed to be some sort of uh, kind of uh, uh, nod to the fans on that. But uh, from what I read, that doesn't match that character at all. I mean, the character becomes Batgirl. Um, it's just just not right. Uh, <laughs> It really, it really messed with me and, again, broke me out of the film. Um, but then again, that could just be me. I think the average watcher, uh, the average viewer of the film that's not uh, coming from the comic books isn't going to necessarily notice anything about that. But that's the thing, though. If they're not going to notice, then that particular choice was aimed directly at the comic book fans. And it seems like a really strange thing to do if you're going to aim that at the comic book fans and make it not the character. Uh, I I have no idea where they were going with that. That was a little that was a little annoying. Um, there were there were there was no major issues, just a lot of little things that just kind of bothered me throughout the film. So between the editing and and the directing, I'm going to have to give that a twelve out of twenty. Now I'm going to talk about the next two categories together: uh, the costuming and props and the location. I think this is where this movie shined. Um, the costuming and props were fantastic. They were vibrant. They were bright. They were kind of weird in a variety of different ways and in just the right way. Um, the The costuming for Harley changed multiple times, and it was always very much on point to the character. Um, they took some liberties with the design of the Black Canary outfit that I think worked very well. Um, it's, it's, it was nicely done. Um, the Huntress outfit was a little, I don't want to say bland, but it was, uh, it was muted comparatively to the other, 
um, to the other characters, which makes sense. That's kind of the character that they were going with, um, but still looked really nice. Um, the uh, the mask for Black Mask uh, on its own looked really good. Um, I don't know if it looked quite right as Ewan McGregor wore it, but you know that's there's not much you can do. That that translation from the comics to the screen was going to be a difficult one anyway. Um, but I mean the environments that they go to, there's plenty of car chases, combats. You got uh, um, roller derby arenas and the the pier, and which was really really nicely done. I mean, just it was it was all pretty exceptional there were there were very few mistakes that i felt that there were there and it was just really that was the thing that kept me into the movie more than anything else and i thought they they did really well on both those avenues we'll give those each a nine out of ten we've got uh, the cinematography which as a whole was pretty solid um not a lot of jerky cam, which I'm always happy to see. The smooth transition is, is the thing for me. I I don't want to I don't want to have to get a headache from watching the the <laughs> the camera work. Um, I thought that um, I mentioned that some of the transitions and editing were kind of weird, and I think that kind of rolls over into the cinematography because I'm really not sure where that problem lies between the editing and the cinematography. Uh, so there was a little bit of an issue there. Um, the CGI um, was particularly good on the hyena. I was I was really impressed. I thought that looked fantastic, um, and because there wasn't a ton of CGI that was needed. I mean, there's going to be some. You're going to have some uh, gunfire, and you're not going to do a lot. You're not going to do all that with practical effects. And there's you know bits here and there that you're going to change. Um, the explosion at the uh, chemical plant um was really well done um you know just all in all it was pretty solid in terms of the cgi it's just some of the like i said the transitions were were a little um not to my liking um so i'm going to give that a simple 14 out of 20 and then last we get into the meat and potatoes what i always like to end with the plot and writing um this is another area where i think it could have been better uh as always, this is just opinion, and it's how it struck me. I know there are some people that really enjoyed it, uh, and I don't intend this to distract from that. But uh, as I mentioned, that whole Cassandra Cain thing I thought was a mistake. I don't think they went to the extremes that they needed to with the Victor Zaz character or the Black Mask character. Um they had small things that just popped out. And I just remembered this. Uh, I know there's one point in the middle of the movie. This is more of a cinematography thing or costuming potentially, but uh, there are several tattoos on the Black Canary character. And at one point, about halfway through, you can see very clearly that there is a skin-colored either bandage or something on her shoulder that is either covering up a tattoo or it's what the tattoo has been painted on. And that was a little jarring, just little small mistakes like that. But sorry, back to the actual plot and writing. The plot on a film like this is generally going to be pretty simple. And there's nothing wrong with that. When you're going with an, uh, an action film, it doesn't need to be complicated to, to really work. Um, my only issue really with the overall plot of the film is that it seemed like they were trying to borrow some backstory from the comics and and set up for the actual plot 
that was kind of actually there in the comics, but they couldn't develop it enough. It was it it really just rang hollow through through the film. It was just it was almost like it was a set piece. The plot wasn't really important. It's just we're only here for the explosions and the fights, and there was just nothing that really compelled me to follow anything. Um, there was some good character development and um, growth for the Harley Quinn character, but when you've got so many protagonists like you do, when you've got you know four major, well four to five major protagonists and then you've got two uh, major antagonists that's a lot of time to share on the screen and it's really hard to kind of develop everything fully so with Black Mask he was flat they barely gave any backstory and they definitely didn't give any development to him Vic, uh, Victor Zaz got no backstory and almost yeah pretty much no um, development or growth for him as well um, so very flat villains and I will always say that the villain is what makes the, or I should say the antagonist is what makes the protagonist interesting more often than not. Um, the, the huntress was kind of made to be the, the straight man. Uh, the, um, if you're familiar with the, uh, Marx brothers, uh, he is the Zeppo or she is the Zeppo Marx of the group meant to be that that straight person that everyone else can play off of. But I don't think they went to enough of an extreme. It just can kind of became a little awkward. You have to really fully commit to that straight man motif. And they, I don't think they really did. Um, and so it just, it just came off as, as um, well, yeah, awkward. Uh, the jokes didn't, didn't hit for me. Um, but uh, the, they, they worked a little bit of the history of the Black Canary character in with her mom being the original Black Canary. So they got a little bit of that, and they got a little bit of growth from her. So she was probably the second best developed of the protagonists. Um, and they got a little bit, they got really no, they got just the briefest snippet of history for Renee Montoya, uh, though there was more screen time, so a little bit more chance to grow that character, I felt, with that. But at the same time, they, they made the joke that, oh, it seems like everything she says is like an 80s cop movie. Yeah, just pretty much dead on the head. Um, and I don't think it fit. It, that's one of the things where that it didn't gel quite right. Um, and again, this may just be my memory playing tricks on me, but that's not how I felt the character was in the comic books. Um, but the problem with reading a comic is you often... Uh, superimpose your own thought processes on how the character sounds and the inflection and the tone and everything. So it's possible the way that I read it was not really the way it was intended in the first place. But from from my memory, just it did the character didn't seem three dimensional. Um, uh, it just it was again a little flat. So when everything came together, it was just not compelling. Um, and then the the end of the film, uh, maybe the the goriest bit uh, of the entire thing, which is another kind of thing that happens where you end up killing the antagonist at the end of the film, and then they can't really come back. There's no coming back from being torn to pieces. Um, I've I've always disliked that as an end to a film. It's certainly convenient in the sense that you don't have to worry about it again, but it's 
it's just, it's not really a cathartic release because there was no real development of that antagonist in the first place and the stakes never really felt all that deep to me. So it was just kind of, uh, kind of meh all around. So I'm going to give that a 12 out of 20. Uh, that comes up with a total score of 70 out of 100. That puts it in C-minus territory. Um, so, I mean, a lot of what I had was nitpicky, but a lot of it I felt were genuine concerns. So this is one of those films that, that I've seen, and I'm glad that I saw it, but it's probably not one that I would watch multiple times. Um, it's just, I think it's a step in the right direction compared to Suicide Squad, Um but it's just not it's just not there. But what do you think? We always love to hear your thoughts on the same kind of movies. We have a website with forums on it, www.everybodylovespudding.com. We're also on Twitter as at Real Pudding Guys. We are on Instagram and Facebook as at Pudding Guys. And of course, we are on Patreon as at Pudding Guys where for just a dollar a month, you can help support us as we bring you more content, more reviews, more top tens, more interviews, and, uh, you know, more of my slow mental degradation. (laughs) But until next time, keep watching movies and keep being that inner critic that we all tend to be. 